brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Jason Powell's Pro Wrestling Boom Podcast, a production of ProWrestling.net. Get ready for the latest news analysis and interviews featuring big names from the world of pro wrestling. Here comes the boom! Thank you to Paul Allen, the radio voice of the Minnesota Vikings, for the introduction. Check out Paul's show at KFAN.com every weekday from 9 to noon. I have a great show lined up for you guys today. I mentioned last week that we'd be getting back into interview mode this week, and that's uh, what we're going to do with a former world champion. When I go back I, and I go through that list, and I had done it when I, when I found out that was a possibility, I started looking at that list. And, and again, I, I would never compare myself ability-wise to these guys. But, you know, when I go back and you go through that list of, of Ric Flair and Briscoe and Harley Race and Luther, and you just go through that list, Sting and AJ Styles and Steamboat. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The night that I won it, I knew, and I get kind of emotional thinking about it, I knew, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to hold this. I had no idea. But I, they can't take my name off that list. Former NWA champion Tim Storm is my guest, and what a story this guy has. The man held the NWA championship at age 53. Some of us thought Ric Flair was old when he held the title back in the day. Tim has a great story, and and I know you're going to enjoy that conversation coming up in just a little bit. Unfortunately, we do need to start the day by mentioning the death of Leon White, who wrestled as Big Van Vader and simply Vader. Uh, White had a history of heart issues in recent years, and uh, his son Jesse noted on Twitter that uh, his father had been battling pneumonia. He said, quote, he fought extremely hard and clinically was making progress. Unfortunately, on Monday night, his heart had enough and it was just time, end quote. Uh, I remember seeing Leon White very early in his career when he wrestled as Leon Baby Bull White in the AWA. And, uh, you know, it's always cool when you can see a guy very early in his career, just on television, whatever, but you see him start at that level and then go on to become 
a, a champion, or in this case, just a true legend in the industry. And that's exactly what White did. You know, he won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in Japan. He won the WCW Championship. I, I consider him easily, and I think most people do, uh, one of the best big men in pro the history of pro wrestling. Uh, my sincere condolences to his family. Uh, in lighter news, Ring of Honor COO Joe Koff says the company has lost its date at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Koff implied to Mike Johnson of PWInsider.com that WWE played some role in ROH losing this date. Quote, we had a deal with the Garden, and they told us they were backing out after communications from the WWE. End quote. Now, the buzz was that MSG officials were upset that WWE was giving all of their WrestleMania weekend dates to Barclays Center in Brooklyn rather than giving them some of those dates. Uh, the assumption of people I've spoken with is that WWE is going to end up giving MSG some sort of a major event. Uh, to kind of make up for some of this. Either way, ROH appears to be out, barring some change in plans from MSG. Uh, ROH was expected to run uh, the Garden during WrestleMania weekend, which would have been quite the coup for them. Uh, but Koff uh, didn't explain all the details. Uh, still, the assumption of several people I've spoken with is that Chris Ripley, the president and COO of Ring of Honor's parent company, Sinclair Broadcast Group, spoke prematurely when he told BizJournal.com earlier this month that ROH would be running that venue. And in other words, it's kind of unknown whether anything was actually finalized between ROH and MSG officials. Again, Koff not really getting into the particulars there. So is it a case of, you know, they have, obviously if they have like something signed, then, uh, well, they, they may have a legal complaint here uh, for the garden pulling out of this. If they didn't get anything finalized, Ooh, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately uh, for Ring of Honor, looks like they're going to be looking for another venue to host a WrestleMania weekend event. And uh, WWE is, uh, I mean, people are going to grumble about this. Look, WWE is going to do what's best for WWE, just as ROH does what's best for ROH. It's natural. And as long as there weren't any contracts signed, you know, I, I don't know that there's really anything wrong with this, even though I'm someone who was really looking forward to seeing ROH run at that historic venue that, uh, you know, what's been considered for so many decades as home base for WWE. Big Cass was released by WWE on Tuesday. His name was in the news a while back for reportedly blowing off directions from management in a segment that involved the little person who portrayed Daniel Bryan. I don't think they've been waiting this long to let him go over that incident, but I do know that the decision was made prior to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view and that the firing was actually handled by Vince McMahon personally on Tuesday afternoon. I don't know what the future holds for Big Cass. He doesn't seem like he would be a good fit for Ring of Honor. Would New Japan want a guy his size? Impact Wrestling, maybe? Uh, his size actually seems to work against him in a place like Ring of Honor, as far as I'm concerned, because he would just make the already smallish roster look even smaller. And he really hasn't shown that he can have the type of matches that ROH typically looks for. I'm sure he's going to do fine just uh, working for random independent groups uh, because he's fresh off of WWE television, but I don't know where he'll actually land as far as a regular home is concerned. Speaking of WWE Money in the Bank, I thought it was a good show, uh, but rather than go into details about it today, I'm going to direct you guys to the ProWrestling.net Live episode from Monday that Will Pruitt and I hosted at PWAudio.net. It's a separate feed for our uh, free podcast from ProWrestling.net. Will and I spent spent over an hour talking about that show, NXT TakeOver, uh, which, by the way, I actually enjoyed a little bit more than Money in the Bank, even. So you can check that out again at pwaudio.net. I just don't want to get uh, too repetitive with things today. I will take a moment to look ahead to 
next week's Ring of Honor Best in the World pay-per-view coming up a week from Friday. This looks like a really good show on paper. You have Dalton Castle defending the ROH Championship in a triple threat against Cody and Marty Skrull. Uh, you have the Briscoes and the Young Bucks for the tag titles. New TV champion Punishment Martinez, who won the title in Dallas over the weekend, will be defending that title against Adam Page. It was uh, previously just announced as a singles match, but with Martinez winning the title, they've added the title match to the card. Uh, Bully Ray facing Flip Gordon. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to see, uh, to seeing just how, how they mesh in the ring together. And then you have Jay Lethal and Kushida having the rubber match with uh, each guy having won a previous match in their uh, two-match history. Uh, ROH pay-per-views, they usually deliver as far as like the in-ring product is concerned. The lineup for this show really does excite me. Um, I was on a conference call uh, with, uh, it was an Access TV conference call earlier this week with Cody, and he implied that, uh, Castle's title reign has been a disappointment. Uh, can, you know, he had some strong words to say about that. Now, was he shooting? Did, did something slip? Or was he trying to generate some buzz? I, I don't know. Either way, I, I think it uh, does create some buzz, and I'm looking forward to that main event quite a bit. And uh, a title change certainly doesn't seem uh, like it's a... Uh, it certain, certainly does seem like it's a real possibility, given that Dalton Castle has been injured and the storyline has been that Cody must win the ROH championship in order to get his NWA title shot at the all-in event in order to make that a title versus title match. So will they go the predictable route and have Cody win? Will they surprise us by having Castle retain? Or maybe Marty Skrull wins. I think most people are probably predicting Cody just because of that all-in stipulation, but uh, nothing's guaranteed. And I, I think uh, either way, it's going to be a fun main event and, and a really good show on paper. That should be a lot of fun, and I'm sure we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that show next week as well. Uh, WWE has announced their long-awaited UK television series. NXT UK is going to begin taping July 28th and 29th at the Corn Exchange in Cambridge, England. And I'm curious to see how this does. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything, so don't panic. But uh, I am looking forward to seeing next week's uh, two-day UK Championship tournament that was taped this week in London. And they're airing on Monday and Tuesday on the network. Uh, there's, there are a lot of talented wrestlers in the UK. I love the uh, last special they did from the UK. And, but some of these guys have just been on hold with WWE for over a year now, by and large. I mean, they were able to work other events, but still, it's like, you guys ever going to do anything with these people? Uh, so it's going to be good to see them get their own series. I am curious to see how this show performs as far as, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to get any firm numbers on this because it'll be uh, on the network, I assume. I'm looking forward to the new series, but for whatever reason, I expected more buzz when the announcement was made, and, and I'm, I'm guessing there probably probably is more on that side of the pond than there is here, but I still expected a little bit more buzz about this in the U.S., a little stronger reaction. Just uh, on social media, I kind of expected there to be a lot more excitement about this announcement uh, when it was made, I believe it was on Monday, and it really, you know, Monday or Tuesday, one of the two, they announced it at one of the shows, and, and it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of reaction there. Let's see if that changes, though, as we get closer to the premiere on, again, what I assume is going to be WWE Network, um, or if this is just maybe, you know, finally a, a case of the market just being too oversaturated with content by WWE. I mean, three hours of Raw, uh, two hours of SmackDown. I don't think too many people are watching main event, but yet you do have 205 Live. I don't know how many are watching that these days, but NXT, and then, of course, uh, these the live specials are going over you know four hours now 
five hours if you take if you add in the kickoff show, two and a half more hours, almost three if you add in the NXT live specials when they do those. It's it's a lifestyle, man. They really do ask you to watch a lot of content, and that's only counting WWE. Hey, remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. I also encourage you to rate and review us. Give us that five-star love on iTunes. You're really helping us out when you do that. A big thanks to anyone who has taken a moment to do just that. And as I mentioned earlier, my guest today is former NWA champion Tim Storm. I really enjoy the NWA YouTube series, uh, including the 10 Pounds of Gold series. Uh, we live in this era where like, the in-ring product is probably deeper, you know, just in terms of sheer talent. The, I just think it's deeper, and, and the in-ring product is arguably better than ever. I mean, some of you may be saying, I prefer the old-school style, whatever, but there's no denying that the athleticism today is just off the charts, and it's just... It's so much easier than ever to find great wrestling with, uh, I mean, just the, the wide varieties of shows, but also uh, just anything on the internet. Uh, it, it's just easy to find. Now, the NWA may not have the best in-ring product out there, but I think one area where they help make up for that, at least with me, is an area that is lacking in pro wrestling today, in my opinion. Great storytelling. Those NWA videos made me care about a 53-year-old school teacher and a part-time wrestler who I'd never even seen before. And, you know, obviously, Billy Corgan, Dave Lagana deserve a lot of the credit for that. But so does Tim Storm. So does Josephus. So does Nick Aldis, because these guys are really good talkers. They found good people for these roles. And Storm was really one of my favorite stories in all of pro wrestling in 2017. And I'm really looking forward to talking with him for the first time coming up right after this brief break. ProWrestling.net is the place to go for news and analysis, live television and major event reviews, opinion pieces, and so much more. If you want to keep up on the very latest in professional wrestling, then search no further than ProWrestling.net. Welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Boom Podcast with Jason Powell. It is my pleasure to be joined by the former NWA champion and a man who now has his own T-shirt, Tim Storm. <laughs> is this your first pro wrestling T-shirt after all these years? Tell people about it, where they can find it, all that good stuff. Uh, NWA.com is where to find the T-shirt. Uh, you know, it's the first one that uh, is going through wrestling tees. Um, you know, that's wrestling has changed a lot, obviously, in the last 10 or 15 years. And, you know, that was 10 or 15 years ago. If you had a T-shirt, you were maybe one of the only guys who who had one uh, now with, you know, with technology being what it is, you know, everybody's got a good quality t-shirt and pictures. So, you know, I've, I've sold t-shirts for, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, so it's definitely not my first one. It's just the first one that uh, wrestling tees had and ha has done for us. And, you know, that's through NWA. Uh, I, obviously I love it. Uh, it's, it's a reproduction of uh, the drawing and the plaque that was presented uh, a couple of Sundays ago at Championship Wrestling of Hollywood, and uh, you know it's it's a good piece of work. The, the artwork by Sam Shaw is just phenomenal. He, he's a, he's a talented guy. Well, I didn't even realize Sam did that. That is very cool. Now, I like to kind of start generic, especially when I don't know somebody's history. So let's get basic with it. We'll keep it simple. We'll start with the an easy one. Were you a fan of pro wrestling as a kid? When did you start watching? When did you catch the wrestling bug? Absolutely. Uh, that's that's the biggest reason why I'm involved today. Um, I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, 
which is kind of, I don't know, central Arkansas. It's about 45 minutes south of Little Rock. And I was very fortunate. I, well, you know, to me, I was fortunate. As, as we talk about it now, my mom is 93. And when she when we talk about these things, she still acts surprised. But, you know, every Saturday, because of, because of the location that I grew up in, uh, I got Memphis Wrestling in the morning. I got Georgia Championship Wrestling in the afternoon. And I got world-class wrestling uh, every Saturday night. And, you know, the joke there or the, the statement that I make a lot is while other kids... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We're uh, watching, you know, whatever, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner. My days were scheduled around uh, wrestling. And, you know, those three were very, very different in their makeup. Uh, you know, wrestling fans will know this, but obviously, you know, Memphis is famous because of its Memphis style of wrestling. Um, Georgia championship was the NWA and that's where that was, you know, Mr. Wrestling number two and the four horsemen and, uh, the road warriors and DiBiase and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And, and it really, it's a who's who of professional wrestling. And then at night, I got world class, which was the Von Erics, uh, which that in itself was kind of, you know, kind of set a tone for wrestling. They're the first ones to do some of to use music in their videos and to do like a three or multiple camera shoot the way they did it with one at ringside. Uh, that was groundbreaking stuff. So that's what I grew up watching and loving. And that's what got me involved. That's what you know, that that my memories of those things are the reason that I got involved in professional wrestling. If you enjoy the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast and pro wrestling audio content, then I know you're going to love becoming a member of the ad-free version of ProWrestling.net. The members hear the weekly flagship .NET Weekly audio show with Jake Barnett and I discussing all the news of the week and sometimes including some first-run news items that have not been reported elsewhere. Members also have access to a decade of audio content with interviews and exclusive audio reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and the list goes on. They also hear our audio reviews of all the major WWE, Ring of Honor, and Impact Wrestling pay-per-views and NXT TakeOver specials. Plus, we're adding more New Japan Pro Wrestling audio content for their major shows. Help support ProWrestling.net and the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast by signing up today at PWMembership.net. 
It, it sounds very similar to my experience. Uh, you, you're a little bit older than I am, but I started on the AWA, and then all of a sudden we started getting world class in syndication, and it, it just was uh, so much fun to see wrestling from different places. And sometimes you'd yeah. see some crossover with people you knew, but other times it was just people you you read about in the magazines. Maybe you were familiar with a picture, and that was about it. Now, did you were you a guy who gravitated more towards the heels or the baby faces? I. Dusty Rhodes, because of his charisma, grabbed me early on. Uh, now, I went to some live events. They didn't come to Pine Bluff, Arkansas very, very often. Um, but, but when they did, they came to Pine Bluff Convention Center. And, you know, since then, I've had the pleasure of getting to wrestle there uh, three or four times. But uh, I considered myself a heel fan. You know, if I went to a live event... I was that annoying guy who was who was cheering for the heels the whole time, <laughs> and you know now now as a wrestler I look at that and and <laughs> you know I've, I've I've taken pride over the years in being able to work either side, and as a as a worker you know that's funny but it's also if you're trying to turn a crowd uh, as a heel that's pretty annoying you know so I was probably a very annoying fan and just didn't know it. Gotcha. Well, tell me about your journey from fandom to pro wrestler. Did At what age did you finally decide I'm, I'm doing this for a living? Uh, yeah, that's, and that's kind of unique, I guess in itself. Um, graduated from college and, you know, started on the path of, you know, I, I fell in love and got married and started having kids at an early age and, you know, along with that, I was doing what I still consider, you know, the, the American, the American way, which is providing for your family. And I can, there was there for, for the most part, I continued to watch wrestling. You know, there were times when I probably didn't, um, you know, watch it as much, but I was actually vice president of a company in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And I, at the time I had been playing what I, and some people will get this and some people just kind of giggle at it, but I was playing at a very high level of competitive softball where I was traveling on the weekends and, um, you know, all over the country and playing in a lot of tournaments and those kind of things. And I just decided that I wanted something, a new challenge and a friend. And I'd always wanted to wrestle. Now at the time I was 30 years old when I, wow. when I first, yeah. And that, I guess that's what makes it a, you know, the unique part of the story. But a friend of mine from church, I, the first thing I did was I contacted uh, WCW Power Plant, and the irony of that was, and the guy was super nice, and he, you know, he gave me gave me some insight, told me you need to be in the best shape of your life, and he said uh, basically there was a there was an age, and he said that they didn't accept anybody over thirty, and I said, well, what if I'm, and I was I was over thirty, and I said, what if, uh, what if I'm really close to that, and he and he kind of laughed because he knew what I was saying, and he said, he said, well, if you come in in the best shape you could possibly be in. Um, you know, I, you would, you definitely get, you know, we get the same shot as everybody else. And, and now I look at that and really, I think what they were saying is we'll take your money just like we t we'll take anybody else's. Uh, I went to my, the president of the company, the owner of the company and told him what I wanted to do. And he immediately said, no, you don't want to do that. And I went, no, I think I do. And he goes, no, you really don't want to do that. And what he was saying was he didn't want his vice president being a professional wrestler. Um, he looked at that as. I think there was there was a point where I remember him referring to it as the professional wrestlers are professional liars. That's what they do for a living. They live a lie. And um, but I had a wife. I had two kids. I had uh, a house payment and two car payments. And I, I was not at a point where my kids were my kids were young, where I was willing to step away from my responsibilities 
to pursue that dream. And a friend of mine from church said, well, you know, I saw this um, ad on TV. And he said, I'll be honest with you. He said the quality wasn't very good. The production quality wasn't very good. But there was a there was a gentleman named Bill Ash who had who had a wrestling school in Paris, Arkansas, and he was running independent shows maybe once once or twice a month. And it was not great quality TV, but I contacted him and, and that's where I started training. Uh, and it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of a, a deal where I, I compromised. Uh, I think probably had had my dream of, hey, I want to do nothing but professional wrestling. I think, well, first off, I probably should have started at 18 or 19 if that was my dream at the time. But if I truly wanted to do that you know, as a living, I think WCW Power Plant would have been a much better shot for a, you know, a quick potential. Uh, but there was also a ton of guys who went and didn't make it, you know, so I'm not saying I would have, but, uh, but, but like I said, I started at 30 years old and had my first match at probably 31, but you know, I was a big guy and there's always, there's always a need for big guys in wrestling. I don't think I was ready when I, when I had my first match, but, um, was, was very fortunate to, to get in the ring pretty quick and start learning and growing and uh, and developing at an earlier age. And it was a it was as an old school training as you could possibly get. You said the magic word here. You said some people would laugh at you or would laugh at the idea of you playing competitive softball. I don't know if you know this, Tim. You're talking to a 20 year veteran and a, and a softball, well, self proclaimed softball god. Um, <laughs> if we need a ringer, are you available? Oh man, I you know here's here's what I have left. I can still hit the ball a really long way, but don't don't ask me to bend over and, and you know field a ground ball or run in the outfield or run the bases. Uh, and that you know that that whole five tool athlete that's gone. <laughs> so I don't think anybody wants me on the on the field. Every once in a while, I've got the guy that I work out with on a regular basis will will say, "Hey, I know you." You know, for me, wrestling really is a priority. And if I if I go out on a Friday night and try to run the bases, and like I said, I can still hit the ball a long way. But if I if I run the bases three or four times, uh, it just made my Saturday Sunday bookings for wrestling a whole lot more challenging with my <laughs> knees. So, you know, but I, I I loved 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 the game, and you know at one point uh, this is all in Arkansas at the time, and and I know even uh, classifications how they classify now has changed, but uh, you know we won a couple of B state championships and played some A and A major tournaments, uh, which we were you know, got drilled at on a pretty regular basis. But we played at a pretty high level, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I just like to tell myself that it starts at D-League, and there's nothing higher than that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so, I, well, I actually have to ask. I, I think people would, would, would strangle me if I didn't. You ever run into Sid on the softball field? You know, I actually did. Really? Um, yeah. And, you know, this was before I – I knew – I absolutely knew who he was. And – but it was before I had started chasing the, the wrestling dream. And, uh, you know, in Pine Bluff, at this point in, in Arkansas, uh, you know, softball was huge. And there were tournaments every weekend of all levels. And I was playing in most of them. They were not, my wife was so patient with me, but there were nights I was playing in three leagues in, a, in one night. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I ran, into, I ran into Sid a couple of times. And here's my softball memory. First off, you know, he, was, he is a physical specimen. Yeah. You know, he is just unbelievable because I, I don't know what he's six, six and and looked, you know, back in the day, he looked like a professional bodybuilder, um, very intimidating, nice guy. 
And but he would either, you know, he would either hit the ball a mile or pop it up to the infield. That's my memory of Sid. You know, but <laughs> he got when he got a hold to one, it went a long way. I guess one more softball related question. What about Braun Strowman's dad? You know, I actually looked that up uh, and watched some of those videos of him hitting. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, you know, power hitting to me. Well, wow, we're really getting to do softball. Power hitting to me was a science, and and I worked at it like I do wrestling. You know, I worked really hard at it, and that guy's a classic. I mean, if you go back and watch his the way he swings a bat and the you know cuts the ball in half on a downward motion, and I mean, just um, hits the ball a ton. Yeah, yeah, I did watch some of that stuff. That that's impressive. Hey, gang, it takes a lot of time and effort to produce a show like this, and one way you can support ProWrestling.net is by becoming a member at PWMembership.net. However, there's also an easy and free way to do so. Think of us when you shop at Amazon by simply starting your Amazon shopping at ProWrestling.net slash Amazon. You're not charged any extra, but we receive a small and very helpful commission on what you purchase. A big thanks to everyone who has helped out so far. Remember, that's ProWrestling.net slash Amazon. All right, back to the wrestling. I could talk softball all day, but I don't think the <laughs> listeners would appreciate it. What's What would you say is the most high-profile thing you did in pro wrestling before this NWA run? Hmm. Um, you know, there there's a group um, called Traditional Championship Wrestling that ran out of Arkansas. And I, I live in Dallas. I've lived in Dallas now for, I think, 17 or 18 years. But um, it doesn't get the credit for the quality of the production that it did. Um, I'm trying to decide if he would want, want his name out there. Uh, but the guy who owned it and operated it did it extremely professionally. Um, he brought in Chris Cruz. He brought in Ken Resnick as, as backstage. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank on it was it was the guy back in the 80s and 90s that did all of the the WWF segments, you know, they had almost like the Tonight Show, uh, you know, type segment with uh, with McMahon as the host. But he produced and directed all of those. And, and he was brought in, to, and the, the quality of the production was outstanding. The, uh, the talent roster was fantastic. And it was a combination of guys that, that were handpicked from all over the United States as meeting not just the physical qualifications, but the kind of person that this guy wanted to use. And then, of course, you know, sprinkled in uh, guys who were no longer under contract. And it, it, it ended up being uh, available nationally uh, and in some cases internationally. And that's probably been, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And it's still it's still on syndication where I'll, you know, I'll, some, I'll run into somebody at a gas station where they'll say, Hey, I saw you wrestle last night. And I'm like, well, you did, you know, where <laughs> were you? You know? Um, but that was a pretty high profile production. And, you know, when people start talking about, I mean, it didn't last, it lasted about five years, which is a pretty good run. But, you know, when people talk about good quality professional wrestling, that's one that's not mentioned that, that I take a lot of pride in. Uh, you know, I was there from day one and I was there on the last day. So, that that was a that was a that was a good production for us. I, I think most people know you work as a school teacher. What grade do you teach? I teach eighth grade. Um, I taught eighth grade science for five years, and needed a change and just to do something different. 
uh, kind of my personality. I get, I guess I'm, you know, ADD or I get bored easy, whatever. And this will be my fifth year coming up teaching U.S. history. Oh, wow. Now, I, I've been so impressed by your promos on the NWA YouTube series. Safe to say or safe to assume that teaching has kind of helped with your promos just because you're speaking to a large group every day? I, maybe, but it's, you know, I think it's just a culmination of life experience. Um, I've always been very, very comfortable speaking. Uh, I'm, I have one of my degrees from college. I have, a, I have a communications degree. I considered at one point trying to do TV radio production, something like that. Um, you know, when I, I've only been teaching 10 years. I started teaching at 45, 44, wow. 45 years, like that. So, you know, I don't, is that right? 40? Yeah, anyway, but you know, I started teaching at a, at a later age, just like I did wrestling. And I think just wrestling for 20 plus years and cutting promos, it's just something that I won't say it came naturally. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you go back, you know, when I was training in Paris, Arkansas, uh, it was a very low budget deal. And part of the training is you do whatever you're told, you know, it's part of paying your dues. And uh, the, Bill Ash was going to do local TV. And one of the very first jobs I had was commentating and, uh, you know, doing stand up. And, and I look back at those and I was not good at all. <laughs> I was I was not good at all. But I've been doing it now for 25 years. Um, so I don't I, you know, sometimes I do a promo and I don't. I believe in it being, and boy, sometimes I hate this term. I think I think it should be organic. You should feel it. And I know that at one point, uh, you know, it was one of Dusty Rhodes' things early on was he was saying, he was saying, don't practice your promos. It should be emotional. You should mean what you're saying. And I kind of, I kind of try to apply that. You know, I have an idea of what I want to talk about, but I just believe they should be real and be emotional. And so, but I appreciate you saying that they're good. Sometimes I walk away going, yeah, that wasn't good at all. Um, but whatever it is, whatever comes out of my mouth is heartfelt. You know, it's 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 real, or I wouldn't say it. Now, when it comes to teaching and wrestling, do you try to keep those worlds separate, or are you more of an open book type with the kids when it comes to that sort of thing? Uh, I, it, it has become a combination of both, and, and that's kind of a weird answer. But uh, my wife taught in the same school, and actually, 
she moved she moved on to the administration side and I had done a long-term sub deal while I was trying to decide if I wanted to teach. So when I first started teaching, I literally walked into my wife's room and became that that teacher. And she had for years she had told people as a way to connect with kids that her husband was a professional wrestler. So, you know, for years that had been passed down and passed down and passed down. So my first three or four years, I really tried to not talk about it, um, but they knew anyway. And, you know, I'd have kids in the hallway, you know, and I've got a mixed past wrestling wise, which I will probably get into at one point. But, you know, some kid would walk up in the hall and throw up some kind of hand sign from some, you know, faction that I was in and say, you know, <laughs> I saw you put a guy through a burning table, you know, and, I'll, and I would reply with, and that's why you should do your homework, you know. So I would, <laughs> I would, I would try to keep those two worlds kind of separate. Um, but over the last four or five years, you know, on my first week of school, my introduction, where I talk about you know my background and my family, I will talk about it, and then I'll be very clear and specific and say I'm going to keep those two things separately. And you know, as a teacher, I just I have a weird sense of humor in life in general, and I'll say you know, well, they'll say why are you are you embarrassed? I absolutely I'm not embarrassed. But if I'm standing up here talking about the Emancipation Proclamation, you don't need to be picturing me in a pair of, you know, <laughs> white man underwear and leather boots. That is not what you need to see, you know, while I'm teaching. So I keep try to keep those worlds separate. Um, they'll bring it up. And, you know, there was a big there was a big discussion this year. I came out with a T-shirt that um, kind of based on the NWA stuff that says that every everybody has two sides, a good and an evil. And how you treat me determines which side you see. And one day I got, they were, they had, they had finished a test and I was on my email and the guy had sent me the, uh, the rough draft of the, t of the, of the t-shirt design. And I clicked on it to look at it and it wasn't there. And after about two minutes of snickering or whatever, I realized that it had come up on the overhead projector that all my kids were looking at it. Oh no! And well, that became a big issue because now I've got a hundred and something kids that want to buy this t-shirt, but School policy, obviously, I can't. I'm not there to make money, so you know. But that became a big deal, and um, yeah. So I, you know, they know. I will talk about it, but I I really work really hard at when it's time to teach. I'm teaching. I'm not talking wrestling. Uh, so that, but they know. You can't. You can't hide that. Are you getting a lot more questions these days with the exposure of the NWA? Uh, this last year, I got a lot. Yeah. Uh, it became very, it became very very common for you know for for students to call me Tim Storm. And, you know, my running my running joke at school is, uh, you know, OK, stupid. Sorry, that's just my, my weird sense of humor uh, there. You know, the movie Airplane. Sure. OK, there's a there's a scene in the movie where the, the kid is talking to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he goes, uh, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, you know, Jabbar points at his at his name tag and he goes, no, I'm Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. <laughs> And and that became my running joke all year long was somebody would say, you're Tim Storm. And I'd say, no, I'm Tim Scoggins. I'm a history teacher. And, you know, so I, I try to keep those things separate. And But, yeah, they all knew. And, you know, it's it's there's a little weirdness there when when, you know, when some 13 year old girl comes up and starts talking about pictures on your fan page that got deleted because, you know, <laughs> and I, I just try to I just try to roll with it and, and stay focused. Now, obviously, pro wrestling over the years has had its share of negative media attention, whether it's content-related, steroids, premature death. Were there times when it's been difficult, maybe even just with certain people that, uh, you know, higher-ups, has anyone ever given you any grief about doing both? Uh, at, at a school, no. Uh, the, the lady, she's retired since then, but the lady that hired me, um, 
you know, at the 10 years ago, I had long hair. I basically kept it back in a, in a, in a, in a ponytail at the back. I had a Fu Manchu mustache and I weighed about 310 pounds and looked like a biker. <laughs> and when I was hired as a teacher, um, that's what I looked like. And she knew exactly what I did because, you know, my wife had worked there for eight or 10 years and, you know, it, they welcomed that. And really with, I'm at a, I'm at a school where, um, it's economically disadvantaged. And we have, at one point we had something like 52 nationalities. We have, we have a huge uh, Samoan and Tongan population and I don't look, I don't and didn't look a whole lot different than a lot of the kids, you know, at, at my school. Um, so, you know, I, there's always going to be people who don't feel positive positively about professional wrestling. And, and the truth is I'm okay with that. Uh, it's like anything else. It's not for everybody. And, and everybody's got a right to their opinion. Um, so it, it, the, the negativity that comes with it, there's always going to be some of that and you just got to accept it. And, and I believe in what I do. I love what I do. Obviously I wouldn't still be doing it. Uh, even when my body tells me, Hey, you might want to rethink, keep, you know, continue to do this. I, I love doing it. I can't imagine my life without it. I, I can't imagine being at the you know eighth grade hell raising kid. Yeah. Hearing word gets around. Hey, we got a sub today. This is going to be great. And walking in and seeing you there, especially the way yeah. you described yourself, I'm surprised yeah. you weren't just like sub for hire. Where, all right, we got a trouble class. We're going to bring in this Tim Storm guy. Well, you know, and, and ironically, you know, I'm I'm on a team of three history teachers, and they would probably disagree with me, but uh, it, it it seems pretty evident to me that in a lot of cases, I get the discipline uh, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, and the truth is, I try, I really, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be a good teacher or not. That's the truth. It turns out I'm a pretty good teacher. I I really try to t- treat every kid the same, um, period. Doesn't matter where they're from, what they do, how they act. I try to p- teach everybody, you know, I teach everybody the same. I try to figure out how they learn and I work on that. But I don't have any discipline problems. And they, you know, my, my, the other teachers laugh at me and they say, well, of course you don't, you know, you're, you're <laughs> Four two sixty, you know, and you and you're scary. Why would you have discipline problems? But it's really okay. Now we're getting into teaching philosophy, but it's really not even that. You know, I'm sure it helps, but if you're consistent and you provide structure and you treat everybody the same way, and you're, you know, I, I, I'm going to be respectful of them until they show me I can't be, and I expect them to be respectful of me. And I am, I, I joke with the kids, I am annoyingly consistent. The way I the way I act on the first day of school is the way I'm going to act 187 school days later, on the last day of school. You know they're going to say, Mr. Scoggins, can we do this? And I'm going to go, Have we done that all year? Right. You know. Oh, so, and I'm I'm an, I am annoyingly consistent, and I think that it works for me. Did you ever try the old teaching gimmick in wrestling at the Board of Education? Any of that stuff? I, you know, I, I didn't. The guy that trained me was a guy named Bill Ash. And he actually did something real similar to that, where he came out as the professor. Uh, and I think because of, I think because he did it, it just was in, you know, out of respect for him. I, I never, I never did that. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I've done. I've, my, I've always wrestled as Tim Storm. Uh, there was, there was a period early on where uh, I tried to do two gimmicks. Um, you know, my thought was, well, if I'm making this much money for one match. I can throw on a match, a mask, change gear, and work twice and make twice as much money. Turns out, not the way it works. You get paid the same either way. So I wrestle. I've always wrestled with Tim Storm. I had a really short period of carnage 
Uh, but for the most part, you know, Tim Storm, and it's either been Cowboy Tim Storm or Big Tim Storm or whatever. You know, now I've always been I've always been Tim Storm. Did you ditch the mask once you figured out that you're not going to get paid twice? No, I love. I, you know, <laughs> my early my early uh, childhood memories of wrestling. Um, my very first memory was Danny Hodge, and he was doing. He had lost a lo- losers leave town mask a match and came back with everybody knowing it was. You know, it's been done a million times. Came back as Danny Hodge wearing a mask and everybody knew it was Danny Hodge, but they couldn't get the mask off of it. Sure. I was always a huge fan of, of wrestling, you know, Mr. Wrestling number two. Um, I remember one of the wrestling magazines I had probably at, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old was Mil Mascaris. And it was a picture of him in like a trailer that he traveled in and he had a thousand masks laid out. So I've always been a mask mark. So no, I haven't ditched the mask. Uh, I've got a Mr. Wrestling two mask probably on this shelf behind me. And I, in my bag, I still carry, um, I still carry one that I used. Really? I don't, I don't know why. I, I joke with people that I'm kind of a gear guy. You know, I've probably got 30 pair of trunks in my bag at any one given time. We just same design, different color. So I, the, the mask just kind of goes with me everywhere I go. It's kind of <laughs> weird, I know. All right, I hope this isn't going to offend you, but when the NWA was purchased by Billy Corgan, I remember having to look up, like, who's the reigning NWA champion? Right. Yeah. And, and then I saw your age. And I immediately thought, oh, this poor guy is done. He's out. Did you have a similar concern? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, and I expressed that to people. Um, you know, it was a, it was an interesting, not transition, because for me, the transition worked out better than any, as anything I could have possibly imagined. Um, but I was actually, this, I guess, a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, meets every year in Las Vegas. And my whole thing is it's, and I'm as old school as you can get. I wasn't wrestling, so I wasn't going. And a lot of people go just to visit. I just, I don't, I don't do that. But I, so I wasn't going to CAC and I'm sitting in my classroom. Uh, I think a lot of people travel on Sunday and then the, the festivities start on Monday and it's a great organization. It's something everybody should go to if you're a wrestling person, but I'm sitting in my classroom on that Monday morning and my phone, I have my phone kind of sitting off to the side and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm taking roll or something on the computer and my phone just starts exploding. Just, you know, I mean, I mean, text after text and phone call. And that was the first I had heard, um, you know, now I'm the reigning defending in, you know, NWA world's heavyweight champion. And I don't know that it's being sold. Now it turns out that they were under a non-disclosure that they, you know, they had, had signed an agreement not to talk about it. And I'm just like everybody else. As the world champion, I'm finding out people calling saying, is this true? What's happening? What's going on? And I had I had some really good friends, uh, Matt Riviera, James Beard, that were out there at CAC. And I immediately got a text from both of them saying, hey, we're here. We're here. We'll let you know what we find out. My first thought was, and this is, again, this is with really no knowledge uh, of, of William Patrick Corrigan and Dave Lagana as far as, you know, what that would mean to me. My thought was they're probably going to want to make a splash and bring in a younger, well-known uh, and and make that early impact uh, with a new champion. And I really try to approach life and professional wrestling professionally, you know, professional wrestling. And my thought was, you know, it, it, I'll do whatever they want. 
as long as we can, as long as it's respectful to the title and respectful to me and, um, I'll do whatever they want because this was the weird thing. And I don't know how much you've talked to Dave about this, but, uh, the transition, there was a lot of people who were so against the transition that they fought it and didn't want to turn over titles. Well, the, the thing is what, what they really bought was the NWA name, the NWA logo and the title belts. And so my whole thing was, while it's an honor and a privilege to, to carry what I consider the most prestigious title in history, it's an honor to carry that, but it doesn't belong to me. I don't, I don't own it. They own it. And if they tell me this is the plan and this is going forward, what we're going to do, whether I like it or not, uh, the professional thing to do is to do what they asked me to do. And, and, and there's always some negotiation and how that could be. But yeah, I really thought, I thought I was going to be out pretty quick. Um, and again, as long as it's respectful to the title, I've done anything they asked me to do. And did you have to sell yourself to them? I just talk about the process of how it came to be that they decided to go with you. You know, and I, I, that's the funny thing is, uh, and I can't remember the month. I think I remember that they were going to officially take over in October. Uh, but I want to say this was, pro so this was before school was out. So I'm going to say this was probably March or probably April. So we had April, May, June, July, August, September, October before they officially took over. And I think one of the reasons for that was is a lot of the franchises, and that's the way the NWA was set it up at the time, uh, is you, you had a yearly contract. And their, friend, their franchise contract expired in October. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino. Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. October. Um, my approach to it was I have always represented the NWA in a professional way. Um, I go out and I have good matches. I, I, I try to, and again, I always, I want to, I want to be very careful how I say this. I would never compare myself and ability to anybody, but I wanted to be as a champion. I wanted to be more in the, um, the framework of a Ric Flair. And I don't mean go in and have an hour match with everybody, but I wanted to go be able to know that I could go into any franchise, work their top guy and have everybody in the building believing I wanted to elevate that guy and have everybody believing that he was that close to winning the world title. And I think that benefits everybody. I think it, it builds him up and gives their local guy credibility. But it also, for me, it, it possibly could set up a rematch where I could have another booking and come back and have another match with the guy. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't go into it saying I'm going to sell myself. Um, I'm, I went into it saying, I'm going to do whatever I can possibly do 
to help the NWA be successful. Because, you know, the truth is, when I, when I started working for the NWA, um, that was my goal. My goal was not necessarily I'm getting into this because I want to be world champion because I didn't ever really see that as a possibility. And I, that's not selling myself short. I just have so much respect for that title and the history of that title that um, I never put that on my list of, okay, well, you know, I'm going to wrestle for a month and then I'll probably be world champion. It never, it never occurred that way. Um, you know, the, the fact that they chose to go with me for a longer period of time I hate to say it caught me by no. I, it caught, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. And the truth is, if if you look at what they did, um, Billy Corgan, Dave Lagana looked at, I guess, me as at the time of fifty four. Now, at the time, I was a fifty three year old, you know, world champion. They believe in. They believe everybody's got a story, and they saw that and said, "This is a. This is going to be a good story to tell." I don't think any of us looked at it and went, uh, this is going to be captivating and everybody's going to, you know, nobody, nobody knew. And, and even after the first, I mean, for me to say yes, uh, was a little difficult and it wasn't like they had to talk me into it, but we had to build some trust. We had to build a relationship between the three of us because, you know, they, they are gifted in what they do. Their storytelling ability and, and the way that they produce things is, is, is really, really good. But what they, what they wanted to do was something that I had protected for 20 years. Um, you know, I, I kept a lot of things. And this, was, this is just me as an old school professional wrestler. You didn't let anybody see behind the curtain. Sure. You, wanted, you want everybody to understand and believe that, you, that we're all millionaires and we go to every show in a limousine and that, <laughs> that's a professional wrestler. And I protected three things. I protected my family. Uh, you know, I didn't want anybody to positively or negatively. I didn't want what I do to reflect on my family. I didn't want anybody to know I was a school teacher because professional wrestlers, that's what they do full time. And they go all over the world and, and, you know, and, and I didn't want anybody to know my age because I never wanted to be looked at as that old guy who can still wrestle. I wanted to be looked at as that guy's good. So those three things I just, I kept secret. And their approach to this was, we think you have a really unique story uh, that we would like to tell. We don't know how people are going to react to it. Um, and at building up that respect and that trust. And, and, and I, know, I knew that if I wanted to have any type of run, continued run with that world championship, that that was the way to do it. And that we were going to have to find a way for both of us to be, you know, to, 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 to be happy, I guess. And, and that's, that's what they did. And, you know, the very first, just like you, just like your reaction, how can you possibly have a 53 year old NWA world champion? Right. Uh, that was the, that was the blowback that I got immediately because I'd never, and there were, there were good friends of mine who knew my age. Um, but I'm in pretty, I'm in pretty good shape. And, and most people would never have guessed that. Um, some would, who knows, but, but by opening that up, the first 10 pounds of gold episode, uh, or, or better yet, probably the introduction, the, you know, and again, the way Dave and, and Billy do this is there's not like, they don't give you a script and say, okay, here's what we're trying to tell. What they do is they ask you questions or they say, go out and talk and do, do your thing, be you. And then we'll see how people react to it. So there's no script. Uh, if they say, here's the story we want to tell, if they want you to be honest and tell your story, just like I'm doing with you. So, you know, 
the first uh, two or three weeks for somebody who has protected that his whole life were brutal. Hmm. I mean, you know, it was the negativity that I got personally um, through social media was was brutal. And I just tried to keep in mind, just like I said earlier, that everybody's got it. You know, everybody has a right to their opinion. Um, you know, some people can watch my matches and think, oh, I love that old school style. And some could say, you know, that's boring. Hey, but it, but it's okay because it's just like ice cream. Everybody's got their flavor of ice cream. And I may not be everybody's flavor. So anyway, it was uh, – obviously it worked out great. How many how many guys who have been wrestling 20-plus years at 53 years old at the time get national media exposure that works out very positively for everybody? I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Well, with you mentioned neg- just negative feedback on Twitter. Is it a case of it was – mostly negative or is it just uh, in your mind, you know, you're not used to that. And so that's what stood out more. It's probably both. Um, you know, we, it's a running joke amongst, uh, our little NWA group of guys about how techno technologically, uh, not savvy I am, <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it's, and it's a combination of things. So it, it could have been both. It could have been that for the first time ever, uh, I was, getting feedback on a national level and and I don't know a percentage but I'm sure let's let's pick an imaginary number it, let's say that 10% or 20% was negative that's 20% that's 100% more than I had dealt with sure you know in my little in my world of and I you know I've wrestled in Africa and Japan and Canada and I mean and in my little world of here in you know Arkansas Louisiana Tennessee Mississippi Missouri Florida, Alabama, you know, in my, my Southwest corner of the world, I'm well known and respected and I have a good reputation and people know I'm a professional and I don't hear negative very much, but to open that up on a national level for people who their only knowledge of me is he's a 53 year old world champion. Um, you know, I saw I, in my, my perception was, wow, these people are brutal. Was this, do I really want to open myself up to this? You know, um, so, you know, but it, it again, the, the every 10 pounds of gold episode as they came out was so well done um, as far as the way they were produced and edited. And it is at that point, it just got more and more positive with every episode. Hey, yeah. Where do things stand today? I mean, is it, have you won people over? Has anyone ever had the courage to go, hey, I was wrong about you? Absolutely. Good. Uh, you know, again, I'm not a I'm not a big I'm not a multimedia guy. I, I'm I'm trying but, uh, you know, even if, even I've even had some, well, I won't get into it, but I, I catch a lot of grief on, uh, my lack of ability on some of those from, from my friends, from my NWA friends. I, I'm not going to feed it. I'm not going to feed it by telling who and what, but cause that if, when they see this or hear this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, I, I have had, I have had people that I'm not friends with say on Facebook who have gone to messenger uh, and I've saved some of those who have come back and said, I have to be real honest with you. My first impression was not good. I couldn't believe they would have a 53 year old, but, and then they would lay out what, what they bought into and how, you know, I've had a lot of people say that the story, I'm not going to take credit for it, but the story brought them back into a love for wrestling. And if that's true, what more can you ask? You know, as, as somebody like me who loves and is passionate about professional wrestling, uh, if we can do anything to bring 
old fans back, our new fans into uh, this, this, this beautiful thing that we do. Uh, that's, that's why we're here. We're here to entertain people. You mentioned having to bond with Billy and Dave. How often do you deal directly with Billy, or is it mostly Dave you're dealing with? Initially, and I think by design, um, it, it, it was all Dave. Um, and again, I had to learn who Dave was. I mean, I had heard the name, and but I really wasn't, I mean, I'm mean, honest, I wasn't familiar with all of his work. And, you know, to this day, I'm still shocked by... And I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to go into it because I don't know how much he wants out there. But it, I've I've heard him on podcasts lay his background out there. But his his writing uh, before wrestling and then post wrestling, his involvement with wrestling is is extensive. Right. And with every major company out there. Uh, so you know, but but the initial contact was Dave, and Dave became kind of the buffer for all 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 things NWA. And I, you know, there were, that was one of those things that especially on the, with the franchises, they didn't like, they were used to having direct, uh, direct contact with Bruce Stark, who was the previous owner. Uh, and now it's, it's still mostly through Dave, but now I've got, I've got a relationship, uh, with Billy where, and again, Billy is, he's so multi-talented and he has so many things, so many irons in the fire right now. He's a busy man, uh, successful in so many areas. So, and mainly because of that, you know, he he's still we still have contact. But even with all of that, uh, Dave Dave Dave's my go-to guy. Dave's the guy that I that I've, you know, if I have a question or if he's got a request, that's where it comes from usually. Hey, and what what are Dave's strengths? I mean, you said he, by and large, both you know they ask you questions and let you answer. So is it the editing process that kind of helps with the storytelling? Where does Dave really come in with all of this? I think it, it's it's a it's a team effort. I think he and Billy kind of kind of have an outline of what the let's ask these things or this is the, but they they're not necessarily. And this is my opinion. I don't think they go to it go in go into it with here's the story we want to tell because they don't know what story is going to develop. Hmm. So I think what they do is they go into it and say, well, let's do it this way. Uh, I know there was a time there was for maybe the third or fourth. I don't remember one of the, one of the episodes Dave flew in uh, to Dallas on early on a Saturday morning and we spent the day together and here's what he outlined. He goes, you know, he said, I'd like to get some, I'd like to get some, uh, some footage of you at your school. Let me interview you at your school. I'd like to let, let everybody see what that is. Uh, I would like to sit down with, with you at home with whatever family is available. I would like to go with you to the gym and get some workout footage. And those the, that's, that was the outline. And then it was just basically, let's see how that works out. I picked him up at the airport. Um, fortunately, I'm... I live and my school is probably 15 minutes from Dallas Fort Worth airport. So we stopped at the school about eight 30 on a Saturday morning and he set up his cameras and said, let me just ask you some questions. And he just started asking questions. Um, you know, you get used to, I've been part of documentaries before, but things that nobody's ever seen. And you kind of get used to, you kind of get used to a camera following you around while you're walking and eating and, and you don't, you, you don't even think about it. Um, 
but I don't know that you get you don't really get used to in a in your comfort zone in your in your classroom with 30 desks. So you're used to 30 kids and you know of having somebody ask you questions in there. Uh, but we did each one of those steps. Um, again, no scripted questions. As far as I know, he had some ideas of what he wanted. How about this? Scripted questions, no scripted answers. And then he took that and put it together. And as and, and it seems to me that as he sees the story developing and the answer to the questions, he's already formulating how he's going to tell that story. Hmm. But, it's, but it's not like he's not trying to mold it into and this. Again, my opinion, he's not trying to mold it into a predetermined idea. It's an organic thing that as he sees it developing, he can kind of feel the story. Um, and, I, and to this day, like I'll watch something that I'm not involved with. And I'll send him a, a, a text because I'm, I literally sit in awe of his ability to tell a story. Um, he is really gifted. And then he'll, he'll send that, you know, he and Billy will kind of have an outline. He'll send the, either the raw footage or the footage of that. He's kind of got a rough draft and then he and Billy will work through that. And, um, between the two of them, their creative, their creative abilities is just, you know, for somebody like me who can't comprehend what it takes to do that, uh, it's, it's, it's mind boggling to me when I see a finished product. When I saw the first one, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm in. I'm definitely in now. You know, that that's yeah. so good. How did I get how did I get so lucky to be a part of this? That that's so good. You mentioned in a Rolling Stone interview people were acting dishonest. They wanted you to drop the NWA championship so they could control the title. Tell me about it. It just seems like a almost a ludicrous plan considering they wouldn't own the title. Yeah, it's, you know, some of the responses to the change in ownership, again, I, I just shake my head. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Head, because to me, it's so obvious. You know, it's like, why? If they had said, Tim, I need you to put that in a FedEx box and ship it to me. I would have put it in a FedEx box, had my feelings hurt a little bit, you sure. know, but I would have done it because that's the right thing. Um, well, and for that matter, if you hadn't. Uh, they could just send a you know legal letter, and you would have been forced to eventually. Yeah, it, well, to me, it's like, why would I not? You know, it's like it, it doesn't belong to me. Right. I didn't. It's not like old school where I put down a ten thousand dollar deposit. You know, and I need to get my ten thousand dollars back before I get before I turn. That's not the way it worked. Um, but there were a lot of people, and I think I think there were a lot of people that are feelings hurt with some of the NWA franchises, and I, and I understand why. Because it, they were going to CAC with the idea, like we had always done, that we were going to have NWA meetings and we were going to talk about future and how do we make this grow and what, how do we, you know, there's all, there was always meetings. 
So I think they were literally either on their way or had already arrived at CAC when they found out that the ownership had changed. And now they have all these questions. Well, what's, how's that going to affect us? Why didn't we know about this? Where's the communication? So all of those things were happening. And I had, I had a couple of, well, more than a couple, uh, that offered, well, we'll bring you in. And they, they also saw it as, as their only chance to be a part of history too. You know, I had, I had one that just said, Hey, we'd, we'd like to bring you in. Here's what we'll pay you. And I'm not, I don't want to get into who or how much, Sure. but Hey, you know, we, we want to have a title change at our, at our, our event on our franchise for our guy. And you can claim whatever you want. You know, you can say, we screwed you. You can say, you know, whatever you want to do to make, that makes it okay. And I just, you know, and then I had another one in another country that, that wanted to do a, a title change, a quick title change. Um, where I would drop it one night and win it back, which, you know, historically that's happened. Uh, you know, you go back to, I think it was, uh, gosh, I think it was funk that did that with, you know, but, and, and he had Harley with him when it happened and they did it for like some huge amount of money. So historically that's happened. But my whole thing was if I'm, if I truly believe in what I'm saying, uh, if I'm not just full of, you know, full of hot air, if I believe in the history of, of the NWA and I believe in the history of the title and if I'm, if I am what I say I am, then I can't even consider those Le- legitimately. And don't get me wrong. When they start throwing out big, you know, I'm a school teacher. <laughs> when they start throwing out uh, decent size amounts of money, you, you listen and that definitely starts turning those gears in your head. You know, I could, you know what I could do with that money. Uh, but the, but the reality is if, if I'm, if I'm who I say I am, uh, and if I believe in what I say I believe, then and if I'm a professional, you can't even truly consider those. And that's kind of how I approached it. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I dismissed it pretty quickly. And again, I, to me, there's a real, there's not a lot of gray area in life. It's either right or it's wrong. And, you know, a lot of times if I'm doing something wrong, I know it's wrong before I do it. You know, so I just, you just, I just couldn't even consider that. I'm sure there has to be part of you going, man, if only this had come along 10 years sooner, this whole, you know, Billy and Dave with the NWA, would you have been ready though? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. You know, I know the, here's the weird thing. Like I, I started training, uh, I think I probably had my first match. I might've been 31. I don't know. And one of my first, maybe my first six or eight months, I wrestled uh, Dan Severn for the NWA world title. And I know even at that point, there were some guys in the locker room who knew I wasn't ready for that. Now, I was probably the biggest guy we had to offer. I probably matched up with him size-wise, but as far as experience and ability and, you know, even the, the, the having a match of that magnitude, I wasn't ready. Ten years ago, would I have been ready? Huh. I, I'm going to say that I'd have, that I'd have been close. You know, I've, I've been doing, I've been doing business, uh, in a professional way for a long time. And, you know, now as, as you get older, there's other challenges, most of them physical, uh, that you have to deal with. And 10 years ago, physically, you know, I was a lot healthier. So uh, I was the same person you know, that I probably wouldn't have been considered because they would have told me to cut my hair and shave off my <laughs> porn, mustache, my porn mustache, but, uh. <laughs> You know, it, it, but I, I don't, you know, who knows? I, one of the, one of the relationships that I've really benefited uh, from, uh, James Beard. And let me just, let me just real quickly put him over because James sure. Beard is the only, only referee that's worked in every major company in both Japan and the United States. 
and he was he was in the back. Uh, he was in the he was a booker for world class. He was their head referee. He literally this is one of my favorite stories. He literally wrote the book for professional wrestling in Japan. Uh, and what I mean is they had him at the dojos uh, write down every wrestling move, and then they began taking his book and teaching the American name with the move. And that's why a lot of the Japanese now know all of you know know all of our moves because James wrote the book. But anyway, uh, James was they gave him a name, um, personnel director or something of the old NWA, and I be, we became really good friends. And he's still to this day we I mean, we're traveling this weekend and doing a clinic this weekend that we'll be you know we'll be teaching. But uh, developmental wise, once I connected with James, he started. I mean, he's the one that when I wanted, he came to me and he goes. Uh, I'd kind of like for you to start dressing a little better. And, you know, I was world, I was, I was renowned for wearing flip-flops with everything. You know, that's just, that's what I did. And so James kind of started molding me and preparing me for, to get ready um, for that world championship. And, and I've really benefited from that relationship a lot. Well, I guess part of it too, like maybe from an in-ring stand, whatever, it, but the story would have been different. There's something yeah. a lot more unique about a 53-year-old NWA champion than a 43-year-old. So, yeah, I mean, it it almost feels like right time, right place in so many ways, too. When you dropped the NWA championship to Nick Aldis last year, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Was it an emotional moment for you or just another day at the office? Because some guys, that's what it is. It's just another day at the office. It it, it was a combination of both. Uh, Winning it, James was in the ring when I won it, and... uh, I beat Jax Dane, was the world champion, and Jane, uh, Jax is a monster. Um, that night was incredibly emotional, and it, and I don't, you know, it was it was a it was not a culmination of a goal and reaching a goal. It was it was a exceeding any goal that I had ever set in professional wrestling because of my love for the business and my love for the history of the business. You know, I, when I when I go back, I. And I go through that list, and I had done it when I when I found out that was a possibility. I started looking at that list, and I, and again, I, I would never compare myself ability wise to these guys. But you know, when I go back and you go through that list of of Ric Flair and Briscoe and Harley Race and Luther, and you just go through that list: Sting and AJ Styles and Steamboat. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The night that I won it, I knew, and I get kind of emotional thinking about it. I knew, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to hold this. I had no idea. But I, they can't take my name off that list. And I, I became, in my mind, I became a part of, of history. Yeah. So lo- losing it that night, um, it, was, it was not as emotional as winning it. It had, it had, I, had I, I could kind of, I could feel the momentum as, as it was coming. And I knew at some point it was going to happen. Um, you know, and the way the story unfolded is uh, I had been injured. I had been tied to a ring post in California by Josephus and legitimately uh, hurt you know, my ribs and my, I don't know, my kidneys or something uh, where it was affecting my, my wrestling. And, you know, getting in the ring with Nick was, I, every match is potentially a learning experience, but... Nick Aldis is the real deal. Um, and after wrestling for 20 something years, I looked at, I, I looked at everybody. I mean, I had come to the point where to me, every match was 
I mean, I love being in there, but every match is just another match. And that night I learned what different levels meant with Nick. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's six, four, six, five. He's a big guy. Uh, he's a body, he's a great body guy, but he's also a guy that will go up the top rope and drop an elbow that is both beautiful and devastating. He's because he's, you know, from that British background, he's an incredible technical wrestler. Um, and I learned when I got in there that night with him that, you know, as good as I, okay, I'm not gonna say I believed I was the best in the world, but I believed legitimately that I could wrestle with anybody. And I learned that night that there are different levels and that I needed to step that level up. So going into that match with Nick, uh, hurt, I knew that it was, you know, I knew I had my work cut out for me and, um, it was emotional. You know, when everything I said is true, the winning the NWA world's heavyweight championship was my mountaintop at 53 years old. There's, there's no greater honor. There's no greater privilege that I'm ever going to have than to be the world's champion. And to know that it comes to an end is emotional. But on the other side, um, you know, I got I start, I got involved with the NWA not just as a place to wrestle. I got involved because I can wrestle a lot of places. I got involved with the NWA because my goal was to do everything I can to make it successful. And I also knew that that Nick being champion, uh, that he could do things that I probably couldn't do. Not that I wasn't willing to try, because when you're the champion, you 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 legitimately say, I'll take the ball and run with it. Uh, but, you know, you've seen what he's done over the last six months. And he's been to, what, five continents and defended it. And whether that's a job issue for me or whatever, I mean, as a school teacher, that's something I couldn't do. Uh, so, you know, it, it was emotional. But it was also another night at the office because it's like being, it's like being an NFL football coach. You know that when you're hired, eventually you're going to lose that job. And when you become champion, you know that there, you've got to be your, the best that you can possibly be every night of every day of every year at every organization. And you're going to get the best that they're going to throw at you every time. And, uh, you know, Nick is Nick. He, he, he deserves everything. Every accolade that he gets, he deserves. Tell me about working with Josephus. I, I mean, it had to be a blast to as an old school Memphis guy to work that empty arena match and, and do it at the impact zone, a place that I'm guessing you hadn't worked before. Yeah. I had, you know, I had talked, I've talked to them off and on throughout the years and it just, you know, scheduling money, all those kind of things. But, uh, Josephus is unique. Um, everything about him is weird. <laughs> his, his style, his promos, the way he approaches things, um, unique individual. Everything about him is is unique, and you know the 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 getting into that match. A lot of things had happened, and he opened up a. <laughs> that that's the thing that that's the thing that nobody knows is you know when you've been doing this for twenty plus years, there's very little you haven't done uh, as far as types of matches. And I'd never done an empty arena match, but types of matches and you know different sides of your personality. And I had worked really hard at putting away the violent side of Tim Storm, uh, especially as NWA world champion. Um, but just the way that that developed, Josephus brought out uh, a side of me that I had worked really hard to kind of put away. That was a unique experience. Um, you know, if, if, and, and for, for wrestling fans, 
if you go back and first off, I would encourage anybody to watch it because, you know, you never know going into that situation how those matches are going to work. In a normal wrestling match, and, and a lot of people know this, is, you know, crowds are important. And you feed off the, the energy of a crowd um, one way or another. If you're a face, if you're a heel, if, if, if you're in the middle of a match and you don't feel like it's going well, you know it because of the way the crowd is responding. In an empty arena match, you get nothing. There is no feedback whatsoever. There's no energy that you can draw. And I chose to, because of the kind of the, the story that we told, um, I went after him pretty early. And, you know, he had, he had, threatened, my, he had threatened my family. He had, he had threatened my, my daughter, my grandchild. Um, and I felt like, well, I didn't feel like he opened up, he opened up a dark side of me that I had tried to put away and I took it to him. Um, I, I don't know. I would say it was probably a 20 minute match, but I would say 15 to 18 minutes of that match were me just going after him and trying to hurt him. And for the most part, you know, in, in any situation, if you're a, if you're a competitor and, and you're a, a perfectionist in what you do, when I, if I go back and watch that, I, I still look at things and go, okay, I don't like that that segment like that. I wish you know, wish this had gone differently, or the, you know, whatever. Uh, it's not perfect, but you know, there's not a lot of research you can do on empty arena match. <laughs> um, you know, Lawler, Lawler had one back in the '80s and '90s that was really good. I think oh, it was wow. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, um, The Rock uh, and, and Mankind had a big one. Um, there's a third one that I'm leaving out, but the, that's basically, there's basically three that if you're, if you're going back and you want Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To watch, um, you know, research those kind of things. That's the three that you're going to get. And truthfully, I, I, I took a little bit from all of those. Uh, there's, there was the one thing that I didn't, that I wanted to interject for historic, for history fans, is there's a famous one that Lawler did where... Uh, they broke a popcorn machine um, in a Memphis match and, and went into a concession stand, and that kind of became off limits. But uh, I took ideas from all of those. And for those that haven't watched it, I don't, you know, spoiler alert or whatever, but the finish, the finish was brutal. Um, I legitimately thought that I thought that at point that point my career might be over uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, I was fifty three and. Um, Thought maybe I, I when I when I the way it ended I wondered if my neck was broke, um, 
and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, it, I had a couple of thoughts was like, you know, one of them was, I wonder if my neck was broke. And the other is, I'm not going to, you know, I don't cuss much, but I'm why, why in the world did I leave that ladder laying right there? Because that's, you know, so, but if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend anybody seeing it. And, uh, you know, by losing that match, I lost my rematch at the world title. Well, that's my, yeah, that's my, that was my decision. Or, you know, that was, that was what I was willing to gamble to get my hands on Josephus. All right. I, I opened with a softball question for you, but uh, I'm going to close with the toughest question I'm going to ask you this entire time, Cam. I want you to really think about this one. Are you a fan of Smashing Pumpkins? <laughs> uh, I have become a fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and not just for the obvious reason. Um, there, there were two or three songs that if you said name Smashing Pumpkin songs, I could have gone back and said, hey, I really like this one uh, I, for whatever, you know. And there's those phrases, you know, rats in a cage that just that pop out. But because now I'm looking at a situation where, you know, the first thing was, the first thing that was told to me was, you know, Billy Corgan has bought the NWA. Uh, and it wasn't, who's Billy Corgan? That wasn't the question. The question was like, okay, well, you know, if I sit down with him, are we going to talk music? I don't, you know, I'm not a huge <laughs> music guy. I don't, um, but I'll tell you what, in, in number one, Billy Corgan is a hardcore wrestling, not just a fan. Um, anybody who went through what he went through with TNA and still has the passion to be involved uh, tells should tell anybody what they want to know. He is a perfectionist in how he wants to present things. And that's evident, not just on the wrestling side, but on the music side. Um, getting to see some of those things, uh, kind of a behind the scenes things. He, he, he is a workaholic. He loves what he does and he is amazingly gifted. Um, you know, a lot of guys, I, I don't, I don't know how old Billy is. I'm not even going to guess, but a lot of, as you get older, a lot of guys start losing ranges in their voice and his seems to have gotten better. I don't know how that happens, but, but that seems to have even gotten better. So am I a Smashing Pumpkins fan? I have become a Smashing Pumpkins fan. Um, growing up, I'm an older guy. <laughs> that wasn't, you know, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't one of the, the go-to groups when I was in high school. Uh, or college, but uh, it came after all that. But yeah, he's he man, incredibly talented. Um, before we're done, though, can I make a statement? Without question, go for it. You brought up Josephus. You brought up the empty arena match. Um, I was brought back by the NWA in a high-profile situation um, in California championship wrestling from Hollywood. There was a three-way match that involved Crimson, Josephus, and Nick Aldis. And I sat for a long time after getting knocked off my mountaintop. And I've even debated about whether I was, you know, in a, in the Valley. And I guess I was, cause it was a dark time for me, but I chose that time to come back because I wanted to, I wanted it to be a high profile. I wanted to make an impact if I were going to continue. And, and that was part of being in that valley. Is I had to, I had to decide, 
am I at a point in my wrestling career where I need to step away? And I determined that I'm not, that I, there, there's unfinished business for me. So if you don't mind, what I'd like to do is I would like to issue a challenge um, to Josephus. July 21st in Clarksville, Tennessee. That's where it started for us. That's where the first match I had with Josephus. And, and out of that match, um, he claimed that he lost 3% of the vision in his eye because of me using a foreign substance, which is, which is absolute bull. But Josephus, I, and I want to be careful here because, you know, as a person, as a professional and as a teacher, I think that you have to be careful that you don't blame other people for your decisions. But I also think that people need to be held accountable for, for, for things that they do. And I'm going to hold Josephus accountable, um, because of his actions by injuring me with a ladder, it directly led to me losing the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Because I lost that empty arena match, it led to me losing my rematch for that world title. And I'm going to hold Josephus accountable for that. So I want to challenge Josephus July 21st in Clarksville, Tennessee. And I want to make sure that he understands that he's not wrestling Tim Storm. That he's wrestling something that he's helped to bring back. And that's the dark side of Tim Storm. I'm going to show him something that's more violent than he ever thought possible. Well, there you have it. Follow Tim Storm at Tim Storm NWA. Check out the NWA YouTube page. Tim, anything else you want to plug before we call it a day? All I ever want to plug is if you haven't watched any of the 10 Pounds of Gold episodes, if you're not up and current on what's going on with the NWA, you need to do that. It's the most exciting thing that's happening in wrestling today. It is, I believe, in the history of the NWA, and I believe in the future of the NWA. Um, the only thing I want to plug is if you don't know what's happening with the NWA, you're missing out on professional wrestling. Check it out. Get, get, get an op find an opportunity to, to, to catch up because this is where it's at right now. Very good. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. down the hatches and Katie bar the doors. Wait, did, did we just have an actual pro wrestling promo here on the Boom Podcast? Not really what we do, but hey, what the hell? Call me crazy, but uh, I, I got to assume that uh, that Josephus is going to be accepting old Tim Storm's challenge. So check it out on the July 21st event in Clarksville, Tennessee. We'll be happy to pass along more information on that show at ProWrestling.net as it's released. And in the meantime, subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and please... Stop back next week, right here, for the boom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.